Hello and welcome to a very, very sad Powder Blue report just before the week four clash with the Texans. Um, Ash and myself are back. And uh, yeah, we'll be dissecting the uh, the week three hammering to the Jags and, and you know, fair play to the Jags. Hats off to them. They they very well deserved it. I think we'll get into that. But, yeah. you know, we've got some sad, sad things to talk about. I mean, you're, you're obviously not feeling very well either. So it's even sad times for you on that score as well. Yeah, Sunday, the... Uh... The bug hit me, not COVID, just my kids went to school and picked up something to give it to me. <laughs> so that was a nice early birthday present. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I got got some sort of man flu, as my wife would say. <laughs> September as a parent is not a great time, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, mate, we'll get into this because obviously we've got plenty plenty to talk about. Not none of it, not, not a lot of it very good. But, you know, I started last week's pod talking about, um, you know, had panic, you know, potential injury to Herbert and things like that, and you know how it's going to affect him moving forward. Obviously, we got the first kind of look at that um, on Sunday, and you know it just kind of piled on, didn't it? Obviously, you know Herbert was really affected. We'll you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that, and then the the real killers come in. You know, Rashawn's later out for the year with a torn bicep tendon, Guyton out some sort of knee injury. Joey Bosa had just been um, announced just before we got on tonight. He's on IR. Planned to return to later in the year, but whether that's you know a fruitful exercise, I don't know. And then obviously Murray and Palmer got knocked throughout the game. So, mate, where do we start with this? This is feeling pretty terminal. We were just talking before we came on that this is pretty, you know, pretty disheartening, isn't it? Coming through to the season, yeah, I mean, it's in infancy still. Yeah, I mean, you're talking week three and already like <laughs> you're on a Debbie Downer, really. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the I didn't even mind losing to the Jags. I thought they played really well. I thought mm. we didn't really have a game plan considering we had 10 days, for, obviously, to plan for the game. I thought everything sort of like was just... It, as soon as... It, it just felt strange from literally from the first quarter. I was just like, the team just seems off. And obviously, and then the injury happened to Bosa. And what we struggle with as the Chargers, I think it's just been... It's, it's been probably 10 years, 12 years of it, maybe longer for, for me as a fan. But when we get hit by injuries or a bit of adversity, we just crumble. Mm. We've got no, we've got no adversity in us, and we've got we've just got no sort of the great sides seem to find a way, and we just crumble under the pressure when things mm. don't go our way. And it just happened again at the weekend. And I know we have injuries, and we always do seem to get injuries to our main superstars more so than I don't know, the, the left guard, the nickel corner. Ours seems to be like the edge rusher, the cornerback one, the wide receiver one, the quarterback. Like It just seems to be the superstars that get hit from us. But yeah, the injuries at the moment aren't helping at all. But mentality-wise, I think that they're an all-time low. I just think that it just seems to be one thing after another. And these players and these coaches at the moment can't seem to pick themselves up. And perform on a Sunday, and that's mm. pretty much the be all and end all. Like it's just, it is really tough to watch, especially when we were losing. Well, as soon as we lost Slater, I, I just my heart sunk a little bit because I thought that's that offensive game plan. Like we were talking about it last week, that you you lose Allen, some of the playbook goes. You lose Lindsay, some of the playbook goes. You lose Slater. 50% of the playbook goes, to be honest. Mm. Like, all that you can't, you're not going to be dropping it back that much more, especially with Herbert injured as like he is. You're not going to be doing these five, seven step drops with a left tackle that's a turnstile. So, yeah, it's, it's worrying times now. It is really worrying times. And 
we'd hope it would be better news, but at the moment it just seems to be negative. I think after negative thing at the moment coming out Chargers camp. Yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it? When you think like I think I even tweeted this out. You know, when it rains, it pours, sort of thing. You know, like you say, Slate has been that kind of immovable object on the left side. He almost is like one of those things that you don't even consider anymore. You just kind of think, well, that's that's obviously going to be fine. There's no like, there's no uncertainty <laughs> yeah. about it. No matter who he's come up against, Miles Garrett, whoever you know, top edge rushers throughout the league, yep. he's dealt with them, and, and it's been absolutely fine. And then obviously, like you know, the drop off to Storm Norton. I mean, it was was tangible, wasn't it? You know, he yeah. got pressured. Herbert got pressured about fifty percent of the time, yeah, uh, via via Storm Norton um, throughout the rest of the game after Slater went out. And obviously, Pipkins is Pipkins as much as he's been gloriously anonymous in the best way possible so far this season. You know, you wonder how he's going to fare because obviously, you know, the rest of the line isn't going to be able to kind of maybe slide towards him as much when you got, you know, Norton or whoever potentially comes in to, to play left tackle. It's just going to be, like you say, falling apart at the seams, especially with Lindsay out, that anchor in the middle at the moment with what seems to be an ongoing problem. And that tendonitis issue just isn't going away. It's it's just not going to go away. I mean, he's probably been suffering, suffering from it for a while. But, you know, when you're looking at that, you're thinking, God, that's like your, like you say, your rocks, your two rocks are gone. And then you know, you've got Matt Filer who's out of form. And then, you know, like I yeah. say, they're going to be able, not be able to give Pipkins the attention that he'll need to kind of keep him on that steady path that he's been on. So it's just really disheartening you know, on that offensive line. Herbert's suffering already, obviously, with his injury. He got hit a bunch after that again, like I say, pressured, especially from Norton's side. And you're just thinking, God, like the attrition already is hit and like you say hit the the main positions that is not even talking about bosa who you know adds a heck of a lot and obviously we've been really excited about the mac and bosa partnership it showed itself in week one and then obviously you've got jc who we've not mentioned and, and he's out and you know again and we'll kind of see where he's at but it's just a really tough one to take and you know obviously we've got other players that won the way back that we've not mentioned but yeah there's just there's just a lot of attrition and like i say guyton the only speed guy on the roster and yeah. I know they're looking to sign John Hightower, the former Eagle, to the practice they squad. Have him. Yeah, they've signed him to the practice squad. But, you know, again, like you, you're then relying on a, a practice squad guy, a guy who wasn't on the roster, and we're not getting excited too much about him, I'd imagine. And it's going to be a pulling a rabbit from the hat if he's going to be able to be the guy to replace Guyton and to go deep and to get these things. Hopefully, like I say, Keenan's back. But, man, just moving through this uh, game against the Texans is, is just going to be really, really difficult to have any kind of real positivity about the game and, and moving on from there even, you know, depending on what we see on Sunday, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we. I think one thing that's been really killing us is we haven't been able to establish any sort of run game at all over these first three weeks. So yeah. it does really... We need to obviously get something together and get some run game going. The Texans, mm. I think they've been giving up about 170-odd yards yeah. on the ground. So... We need to really start establishing it. And I'm hoping even if you're putting in maybe offensive tackles or guards that aren't the greatest in pass pro, but they can add a bit more in the running game, maybe you get Slayer out there or whatever, like um, Salia, sorry, out there. Mm -hmm. You might you might hopefully get some more stuff on them. I mean, it can't be that much more difficult to get something more on the ground than what we've been doing recently. But if we can start establishing some sort of run game, take the pressure off Herbert a bit, maybe like we can open up this past pro and stuff like that so i don't if i'm honest at the moment it's just more there's more question marks getting thrown around than there is answers because of yeah. everything that's been going on with these injuries and obviously you're thinking you're going to get a player back then he's not back and then something else happens and then you lose someone else and then it opens another question mark down the other line so it's just really it's just really hard at the moment to try and get, get a foothold of what this season is going to bring 
Mm. As a Chargers fan, obviously you had so much optimism at the beginning of the season, and now all of a sudden we're kind of the Cowboys are looking in better position than us, to be honest. <laughs> so like, yeah. it's worrying because obviously you're trying to make do with keystone players that aren't there mm. for quite a while, and then obviously if we don't get if we don't really do that well in these first sort of the next five weeks, then it could be one of them ones where when do you throw the towel in and start maybe playing some players that you're looking in for next year and maybe trade a couple of players before the deadline and stuff mm. like the draft. Like it's a bit depressing considering we're only on week three, but this it's, it's what you kind of got to do if you want to try and build and, and go again next year to try maybe kind of get a head start on other teams. Yeah, that's it. And it's like I say, it's like you say, sorry, it's the drop from the optimism that we had, you know, a few weeks ago to to where we are now. And obviously, you know, the, the Texans came good, could be completely different. It could be that we do put Salia out there or someone else, Isaiah Spiller comes in and we do establish a run game. Austin Eckler looks, you know, back to his normal self. Herbert, you know, looks a bit better than he did on Sunday. And we'll obviously get into more about the game shortly. But, you know, we need some more data. We are only three, three weeks in and we, we need to go through the next two, three, four games just to see kind of where we are with all these injuries with these guys out. And then, you know, maybe we can have a bit of a better idea. But you're right, you know, it could quickly go downhill and we could be thinking, you know, Justin's rib injury is not going away. We could just sit him and just tank, not tank, but, you know, just kind of like, no, I guess it is tanking. I guess I'll correct myself. Yeah, I guess it is. And, you know, maybe Joey doesn't come back from IR because, you know, there's no point. You know, he just kind of sits the rest of the season, gets healthy. And whoever else, you know, and you like to say, you just start throwing some young guys out. JT Woods maybe gets seized the field and we see what we've got, especially with Naz and his contract coming up next year. So, yeah, it could go one of two ways. You know, we could have a bit of an upturn. And you think, oh, we're still in the fight and, you know, we kind of look a bit better, albeit against the Houston team that we'll discuss a bit later on. Or it could just be even worse. We could lose the Texans again and just be like, well, this, you know, the, the negativity is going to go through the roof or, or through the floor, whichever way you'd want to kind yeah. of say it, you know, with, with kind of, you know, the online opinion and things like that. So, We'll kind of see where it goes, I guess. But yeah, it, it's a worrying time for, to be a Chargers fan for sure with all these injuries and the kind of things mounting up so early, like you say, at key positions. Yeah, I just think they, they need to start. There's obviously something going on with obviously the, the, the injuries haven't helped with the mentality and sort of the confidence of the team and the coaches and stuff, but they just need to really freshen something up, maybe like a either a big waiver like or a pick up in free agency that there's obviously players around like it's not like i'm advertising to go get will fuller but mm. it might change something in the camp that everyone's like oh you got like will fuller in or go and make a trade like oh i was pointing out that maybe i would if i'm the Chargers, i would be knocking on the commander's door and asking about cornelius lucas um that's done a, he's worked with the coaching staff before obviously they've got leno there as a left tackle they've got him as a backup and then they've obviously got cosme as well mm. they don't really need him his contract's not bad and he's about 31 so you could even say right let's go and get somebody to replace slater straight away that knows how to play the left tackle position. We haven't got to worry about Norton. Norton can still be the swing guy if we lose. Mm, mm-hmm. Just, just, just do something that will maybe pick the the roster up and the players up to say, oh, we've got a guy in the building that's going to know what he's going to do. We haven't got to worry about it too much. Like they kind of need to do something, even if it's change a game plan or run the ball fifty five times in the game. Like just do something that will change sort of this what's going on really on the field at mm. the moment and try and lift the players. And the fans. Yeah, yeah. A move like that would would certainly like lift the floor of of the you know the the squad that we're putting out there on on a match basis. So, 
yeah, we'll kind of see. And I guess the the other thing that can raise the floor is obviously, you know, Corey Lindsley, Keenan Allen coming back. Allen, you know, he's pushing for the start. Yeah. And obviously, we low-key need, need Parham as well. I think we obviously discussed it quite a bit of length last week at how much we miss him. And I think with the running game that we'll, we'll talk about more when we talk about the game and, and kind of why that was so absent. Yeah. I guess he's a part of a reason for that, really. But yeah, we're kind of wanting these guys back. And you'd like to think, you know, with, with tendonitis, like I say, it's not going away. Lindsay should be around fairly quickly hopefully you know for this weekend yeah. maybe Keenan's coming back and then you know hopefully then you've got a receiver other than DeAndre Carter that's going to cause some separation and get some separation yeah. and uh, you know give Herbert a more sort of wide open target to hit rather than you know having everything being a kind of 50-50 ball no matter what yeah I mean I still I'm still bizarre by the by Parham still being out like I don't know why they just didn't start him on path if they thought he was going to be this far away well, I was advertising when we were doing our roster predictions, just stick him on part. We've got an extra position for four weeks. Yeah. It just seems bizarre. Now we're in week four, he might not be fit. So why didn't you just put him on part before? Like just some of them questions and like sometimes and you just look at them and like the Covington thing with Faco and you just think, I don't really know what your, what your plan is while you're doing this. Like, and some things are quite confusing. Obviously, like I trust the coaches, uh, coaching staff quite a bit. Like I'm not... I'm not like a Debbie Downer like some of the other guys saying, oh, Staley should be gone and like... Um, Lombardi should be cut and things like that but sometimes they have they make roster decisions and stuff and you do scratch your head thinking like I don't know what game you've been watching but this doesn't seem to be like this player shouldn't be playing or this one shouldn't like you said if they had brought Parham in um, put started him on pop you could already already have like another wide receiver deep threat Mm. already on the roster for the first four weeks it's already got knowledge of the team and the surroundings and now all of a sudden you've lost Guyton, you're going to have to bring someone in who's you could have had four weeks worth of practices, be yeah. much more up to game speed, and you have now you've got to throw him in at the deep end. Like things like that just don't seem to make sense. Does it really matter that you haven't got Parham for four weeks? Then you can just get someone in the building. So if something does happen, contingency plan is there, not yeah. react to something that's already happened. It seems to me that sometimes we react to things after something's happened, whereas the good teams they've got contingency plan already in place for when someone gets hurt, they bring someone in that knows the position. It, it doesn't seem to be as a big as effect as it is with us. Yeah, no, that's, that's bang on. I think, like you say, the feeling around the team at the minute is just a little bit off. Like, you know, people complain about Lombardi, people are complaining about how, and you know, I'm sure we'll complain about this, how Staley handled Herbert in the fourth quarter, how he handled the questions afterwards, how it was a little bit contradictory. And I was, Quite pleased actually to see, and as much as I, I like Brandon Staley, and like you say, I've got no beef with him long term, but I was quite glad to see the reporters kind of go after him a little bit and sort of pull him up to say that was pretty contradictory what you've just said, you know, how he wanted to stay in, but then you've got, you know, overall decision and things like that. It just didn't quite marry up with what he was saying. So I do think, like you say, it's a little bit off. The running game obviously isn't working, and we'll, we'll like I say, we'll, we'll sort of address that a little bit later on, but yeah, there's just like a, an, a an ill feeling around the team, I think, and it just doesn't marry up with the, the optimism inside the fan base that we felt a few weeks ago, a few short weeks ago as well. You know, it's not just a couple of injuries that have kind of made us feel like this. So we've had this kind of underlying feeling for quite a bit. And, you know, maybe it was masked a little bit by the week one win and then obviously pushing Kansas City pretty close, but it's not been it's not been all rosy in the garden, really, I don't think. No, I think it's I haven't really worried too much. And then it sort of just happened this weekend, just opened yeah. up every cracked wound ever. Like we've got, it's not like, oh, there's one little problem we've got. It's the whole weekend, it. yeah. the whole yeah. game opened up every single wound. And it's like, this team isn't as good. This team isn't as deep. This team's got loads of injuries. 
and their injuries to key problems. They've got no plan B. They've got no run game. It just seemed to it just seemed to open up all of these can of worms, really. So, yeah, it's just been one thing after another this week, which has been obviously a week to forget. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's get into that then. Let's get into the actual game then that we're talking about. Obviously, Chargers ten, Jaguars thirty eight. The Jags are good. <laughs> like they're good. Like I like we said we were talking earlier and we kind of agreed on it. Like we were not like going to take anything away from the Jags. The Jags were good and we almost like don't get too upset about losing and losing to a team that kind of like deserve to win. You know, we're kind of honest enough to kind of hold our hands up and say, yeah, the Jags deserved it, especially their defense. I was really impressed with their defense. And obviously all the numbers were there to say that they were top five unit and they looked every part of that, to be honest. And as much as, you know, they're playing against a, a limited Justin Herbert, maybe in some senses and an offense with some problems, but they really like were swarming around and making plays. And, you know, it's a lot of young guys that were, yeah, kind of doing that and obviously Josh Allen coming into his own I thought was excellent and their you know defensive line with Trevon Walker as, as well and Devin Lloyd was great you know everyone looked great and it's a, it's a good time to be a Jags fan I think I think the, the line's trending up and trending positive for them I think Steel, yeah Steel Brandon Staley's words yeah yeah Devin Lloyd was great I thought he was probably one of the best players in the game to be honest mm. um yeah, they just looked well well coached <laughs> and they looked high on confidence I think obviously the Colts win put them in good stead that week um, and th- they just carried that momentum on and I think that's what happened the, we caught them re- on a real bad week and obviously all mm. the injuries happened but take nothing away from the Jags they were very 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 well coached and they executed their game plan to pretty much perfection to be honest a lot of pressures I mean I don't know why we were dropping back so much considering he was hurt um, Yeah, I think we dropped back more than any team in the league this week like crazy and you've got some Bizarre, right? rib cut like it's just like wh- how why is our game plan like this like and to be fair to the Jags though they only had an answer for everything that we threw at them and on offense they spread the ball around it was quick they didn't like Lawrence I think we blitzed him 40% of the time yeah, only really amount high. of pressures on 17% like we're talking about I know when Bosa went down it's hard but man you've got to do better than that so yeah it's just it just we we didn't execute anything well which helped probably the score line be as big as it was but even if we played to 60 70 percent of what we did in that game i still don't think we were one i think the jag played that well that they they deserved to win it and in the fourth quarter they was they was home and dry they didn't even have to worry about it yeah i think i think it's been said that you no know, doug pedersen he just had an answer to everything, didn't he, on offense and their defense was just swarming, as we said. And, you know, they they did look a step ahead or, or two. You know, every time we tried something a bit tricky or, you know, a bit out of, sort of out of the playbook, the back pages of the playbook sort of thing, they seemed to be on it. They just seemed to to know how to defend us. You know, Mike Williams was just doubled all day, one over the top, one underneath. He couldn't get a word, you know, couldn't get a ball out to him apart from a touchdown. Running game didn't get going at all, and like you say, it was just absolutely bizarre. I mean, we were going to come on to this a little bit later on, but we might as well just address it now before we kind of circle back to other points. But we were also talking last week about getting the ball in the running back's hands. I was talking about maybe activating Isaiah Spiller. Why aren't we running it more? Because you know, Justin can't you know can't throw. You know, no, can't throw as well anyway. You know, I think his accuracy was definitely affected by that. You know, but we <laughs> run like four times and. We just didn't even seem to bother with the run game. I know it was it was tough because, you know, earlier on it was pretty close, even though we, you know, we were down, but it was pretty close. But we didn't try and change it up. We didn't try and establish it. You know, it was just three and out, three and out, three and out. And I'll come back to that point when we talk about the D in a minute. But 
it's really bizarre. I don't even have the answer of why we didn't try and establish it. I know you can't when you're down late on, but we weren't down big until late on. We could have tried to get Austin in the game, get the other running backs in the game. I know that obviously you've got the interception that goes off Michelle's hands and things like that. And that maybe you know, means the coaching staff doesn't really want to put him in as much or something like that. But, you know, you've got Kelly out there, you've got Austin who, you know, they don't, don't you know, they don't, they've not done those things, I know they have in the past, but they've not done those things to start the season. So as much as like, you know, maybe Michelle's in the doghouse for that, uh, you know, letting that pass slip through his hands. But, you know, there's just don't, doesn't seem to be like a lot of explosivity either, which just means that they're just maybe not going to it. But to run your main running back one, you know, sorry, four times, I don't know, it's just criminal really, just to not, not even try anything. And, you know, the some of the run plays, I don't know, I'm, I'm on a bit of an uncontrolled rant there. I'm not really making any much coherent sense, but just kind of getting loads of points out there. But, you know, just some of the running plays, and I just tweeted about a couple of them that really stuck out. It's like, you know, we had a third and one early in the third, sorry, the fourth, the first quarter. And it's a, you know, it's a toss play. Oh, when the, 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 you know, the, the, Straight line is the quickest way, right? To the to the whatever target you're going to yeah. get, not to fling it outside and try and run around everything. It's almost like they're trying to be too clever. And there was a draw on second and eighteen. It's just like it's like the running game is predicated on trying to be smart, yeah, and not it just never comes off. You know what I mean? Just yeah. just do the simple things. We're in a bit of a hole. We're not playing very well. Don't try and get out of it by doing something that's too clever. Yeah. Because it just backfires and it just puts you in a bad situation. You know, then you're on your know, third and eighteen, third and twenty, whatever it went to, you're off the field because we couldn't get off on that third, you know, that third down that I referenced in the first quarter because we played this stupid toss play. Just play the fundamentals, do the right thing, and you know, try and get the first down, grind it. Because that's what sort of game it was going to be. It was always going to be that sort of thing. Their D is playing really well, as I mentioned before. And you know, we'll come on to our D, which I thought played really, really well in the first half and then fell off for reasons we'll go into, but we just shot ourselves in the foot by not establishing this, establishing this run game and not and when we tried to, just doing the wrong thing. Yeah. I, I wish I had answers to come back with and say, <laughs> oh, yeah, but we, yeah. Like, everything. Like, I don't know why they were doing some of this stuff, the to, like you said, with the toss play. Like, that that toss play, which every team uses, is horrendous every time I've ever seen it used. Like, it mm. never works. I don't know why teams use it. Like... <clears throat> You have to have like a four-two running back to run ten yards that you would need to run one yard if you yeah. run straight to the middle. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, exactly, understand exactly. why they use it. Most of the time they're loaded boxes. So the only time it ever works is if they don't actually run anybody and play a play action with someone running over the top and you use it as a pass scheme, mm. not as an actual run play. It just seems like you said, I don't understand it. And I know you could argue maybe we don't have the guys to put in eye formation and run power. But, but you've got Xander. Xander's like, you, you know, he's big you know what I mean? like fullback, you, you, you know. Exactly. You've got you you must have someone on there to I mean the Chiefs use like used to use Dontari Poe to run one yards. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. you might you must have someone that can push the ball like that. But we just seem to be like you said, just making a meal out of everything this weekend. And it was just it just seemed to be one one thing after another, the calls weren't great and mm. the execution of the plays weren't great and it just seemed to backfire on every occasion. So yeah, I can't I don't I wish I had the answers to our run game at the moment, but I'm s I don't even know what we're gonna do at this this weekend, to be honest. I don't know how yeah. we're gonna make it better because the personnel's got worse and the confidence is really low. So it's just going to come down to ski schematically. Can they coach a running game in this match? And it's going to come mm. down to Lombardi. He needs to earn his money this weekend. This is how you're going to, and then 
run the ball better, which will open the passing game up and hopefully go from there. But yeah, the, I don't really know, to be honest, with this yeah, run game. It's one of them head scratches where I've got no answers. There's just nothing on this roster that I look at and think, how are we going to make this run game better? Mm. Hopefully it leads to some self-scouting and we can kind of establish something and they're you know, going to be scheming some things up and getting some different personnel involved. Because like we say, we've got Xander, we've got three running backs we've all shown little flashes throughout the season. Although Eckler, you know, isn't on the best form, but like I say, it's a get-right game because the Texans are giving up a bunch on on the ground. So yeah, we'll, we'll kind of come on to that a little bit later on, maybe with, with you and. Um, but yeah, like I say, I just wanted to make a few quick points before we get you and on. But you know, I thought the D, like I said, played really, really well. But you know, you lose both, so it's obviously really tough. And then you've got the the fact that the offense just isn't getting off the, you know, staying on the field. Sorry, and the the defense can't get off the field because. They're gassed in the end of the game, and then that James Robinson fifty-one yard draw, you know, how many yards yeah. it was, that just as backbreaker, you know, when you're kind of up against it, and then he kind of breaks away. And I've got to say that that's probably from a tiredness because they were just they were hanging in there a lot, you know, throughout the first half, holding field goals in short yardage situations. But then, you know, come the third, fourth quarter, it's it's just tough to kind of be out there like, that much, you know what I mean? Against really balanced hackers, kind of like I say, a step or two ahead, I thought. But I thought, like I said, the D played well. I thought the D played well in the first half, yeah, and I think the game hinged on that third quarter. I think that you could even argue that you're coming in, you're coming out of the break. I think it was sixteen seven, and then they, mm. you, you go, you get the ball, you go down the end, and then we're we're basically first and goal, and we balls it up, so we have to field goal it because the play calling was horrendous in those that that sequence of plays when we was when we was right at the goal line, yeah makes it 16-10, then we get them on a fourth and one at their own <laughs> halfway. If they punt it, we get the ball back, start playing half decent, it could have changed. But they, that James Robinson one was like a dagger to the heart. Yeah. And then as soon yeah, as that, that they, them combinations of plays from that, us going down the end, not capitalising on that red zone, and then them on a fourth and one, taking it to the house, it completely switched the game. And you could just see the, the D just, their heads dropped. And got, you stump back to mentality again. We just seem to crumble when we have mm. any sort of adversity. And it just doesn't seem to be, it seems to be who plays in this shirt. It just seems to be all the time. These players just, they just don't sort of like, I don't know really. I just don't see them ever sort of pick their head up and go, right, let's come back from this. Let's, let's get ourselves out of a hole. And it, we just seem to have got, it got worse as after that James Robinson one where the, the D wasn't like the corners weren't as good on the, on their wide receivers. The run mm. game wasn't getting stopped as much. And Lawrence didn't look in trouble at all in the third quarter. No, and then all of a sudden, like, we was out of the game or the fourth. The fourth didn't even matter because the third was so bad. It was probably one of the worst quarters I've ever seen as a Chargers fan, to be honest. So, mm. yeah, it was one. It was a it was a horrible, horrible game. It was. And then, obviously, just before we get you in on to talk some Texans, we'll just talk about the fourth quarter. It's so obviously been discussed a lot over, the, you know, especially on Sunday as we were kind of all on Twitter, kind of, um, you know, discussing things before the game was finished. But why on, why on earth was Justin Herbert out there? It's probably something else that we don't have the answers for, to be honest. But I suppose it's got to be addressed that I just don't understand anything with regards to that. No. Like, I was, I was adverse to try and pull him in the sort of early part of the fucking first half, to be honest. Like, mm. he just didn't see himself. Um, and 
yeah, it was one of them ones where again you're just scratching your head saying like I don't know why like we're we're down like twenty points like why are you even bothering and then. Yeah. Obviously, they go and get another touchdown. You're like, why is he still out here? Why yeah. are you driving him in the fourth? Like, what's the point? Like, it's one of them ones where, especially when you're playing against people like that in fantasy football, you're like, please take that player out that's doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> they can bench him. And then the coach is like, you're like 50 points up and the coach still puts the main quarterback out. You're like, what are you doing? Mm. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, I don't really know. Again, like, there's some serious answers. Um, answers to these questions and you are scratching your head saying like you we trust this coaching stuff but you can only make excuses for them enough times and then all of a sudden yeah. you've got to start being accountable for it yeah big time and i mean there's just like you said it just seems to be one little thing then another little thing and then after a while you're like come on, you need to sort of like stand up for what you're actually on about here because mm. That there is no real reason for them to keep him out there, especially with us losing Slater and that, and we're so far out of the game. It's like I can understand you wanting to make it look less laughable, but we got let's let's not put it politely. We got hammered by the Jags this weekend, yeah. absolutely hammered in all phases, mm-hmm. and they absolutely deserved it. And the players and the coaches and even the fans in some respect need to take responsibility for it. Cause we've been trying to say our bread's buttered and it's, it's not at all. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. It goes back to, you know, just like what we talked about the, the, last week or whenever it was, we were talking about obviously going for it on fourth down the mentality. Like you say, they've got to kind of look inward and, and kind of just be looking at things and saying, right, well, we need to actually, like I say, practice what we preach here. And, for me, just going back to Herbert, I, you know, as much as he doesn't want to quit on his team and he wants to play, every player's going to want to play. I think say he's just got to have, I don't know if it's the bollocks to kind of overrule him. I don't know if it's that, but he's definitely got to just, he's definitely got to overrule him and just say, no, this, you know, it's bigger than this game that we're not definitely not going to win. So, yeah, it's it's kind of put up our short time. I think a lot of fans are kind of losing patience, you know, and they've been losing patience with some things for, for a little bit. And there's always going to be that extreme side of the fan base. On, especially on Twitter, it's not not real life, obviously, is it? And you're going to get people who kind of react too early or react too emotionally about things. And Sunday definitely was a day for that. Yeah. But you know, things kind of continue to go south over the next three weeks before the bye. Then you are going to see a lot of fire Staley, fire Lombardi, fire everyone kind of <laughs> tweets, and and the kind of sentiment is going to grow. Unfortunately, yeah, they need to really earn their money these mm. next few weeks because they will. They're now. The honeymoon period's over after Absolutely. the last sort of like 18 months that you've released all these all-in documentaries and everyone's buzzing about the the team and the philosophy and the coaching staff and then you put it down on Sundays and it's just it's not there. I know you can't over... First game, we were very, very good. Very good. Even against the Chiefs, we were the better team. Mm. But they the Jags brought us down to earth massively and yeah. now the coaching staff have got to answer back now with week weeks and weeks of hopefully wins because otherwise these questions are gonna gonna spiral and then the, the like fan bases the media everyone starts turning on you it happens in the NFL all the time so like I said I am I am slightly worried because of the injuries that's probably been if I'm honest that's the worst thing at the moment that's probably mm. done me. I can I can deal with losing a game and it brings you back down to earth. And that's kind of what's happened as a fan base is we've got off our high horse now that we've been talking, oh, this, this team's really, really good. Yeah, it is, but it can't be the Jags, even with that many injuries, because great teams 
can find a way. Mm. And even if it was close and you'd say, fair enough, like with the injuries probably cost it. But even if we had all the players fit, I don't even think we would have beaten them, to be honest, because they were that much, mel- uh, much more well coached than us. Mm. And they just seem to have much more of a game plan than us. So it's really brought the coaches back down to earth, the team back down to earth. And I think now the next few weeks is now they've got to earn their money. These players have got to earn their money and show the fan base and the media that week three was just a bad bump in the road and we can get back on track because the only way we're either really going to get to the Super Bowl is if Herbert plays really well because all of our other players are injured and they're walking. <laughs> so like it's now it's I know it shouldn't be too much on one on the shoulders of one man but it's down to these coaches to get Herbert into fifth gear and get this team working on all three phases mm. then hopefully we can ride Justin onto the back of the playoffs but at the moment I can't see any other way other than Justin just being absolutely amazing to get us there because the team now just does not it looks a shell of itself in the beginning of the season yeah no I'd agree mate I'd agree but let's put week three in a box never to be opened again and let's look forward to week four and uh you know they're playing the Houston Texans let's bring on let's bring on our guy Ewan um from the turn it up for what podcast Ewan How's it going, my man? You okay? I'm doing well, fellas. Nice to nice to meet you. How are you doing? All right, and good to see you again, Lee. You're, you're good. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, we're not after that last week, as you probably <laughs> just heard the back end of. But generally yeah. speaking, generally speaking, we're all right. But uh, obviously, you and obviously you and I know each other, but our listeners and viewers may not know who you are. So just take it away. Tell us who you are, what you do, who you cover, and uh, before we get into everything. Yeah. Um. So the website is uh, podcasttexans.com. Um. The podcast is the turn up for what podcast? Um, a sort of kind of open ended, uh, self reflecting question that you often ask yourself uh, a lot of the times. Uh, with a pertinent previous player, his name spelling. Um, we've kind of been going for about four years now. Um, it kind of started off as a kind of UK thing, but yeah, we're probably about 85% American listening audience um and uh yeah we've been going for about four years now and, and literally the football's got worse and worse every year so um i think it's uh try not to take it personally but yeah no it's been good i think it's been a team that have been going to see pretty much every year apart from one covid omission since uh 2012 and yeah just become part of your life and a part of something you think about right about you know most days and uh yeah it's a good way to kind of to uh a cathartic way of trying to trying to make sense of it all. I think it kind of takes the fan out you a little bit at times, but it's uh, it's a labour of love. But still, still going four years in, and this year looks to be as interesting as ever. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll get straight into it then. So what what has the Texans' season been like so far? Obviously, the record of, of zero, two, and one as we kind of come into week four, looking for your first win. We've been some close games, but obviously not managed to come out with a win so far. How's it been, obviously, from your perspective to see it Texan season so far? Yeah, I mean, the first five or six weeks is probably now and impossible to tell what any team is, I think, um, especially with that, you know, the attitude towards pre-season now. you got an extra game. Um, it's, you know, as the, the CBA and the rules continue to erode the quality, the product, the tackling um, and everything like that. So, yeah, it's, it takes a while to settle, I think, and find its, its new equilibrium for this season. I think you're still seeing that. Um, we thought in week one that was a good result or a good sort of showing, at least a good account of ourselves and a sort of reasonable jump forward and improvement against the Colts, considering 
you know, we lost by a net sort of 57, 58 points last year over the two ties. Um, so to kind of go right down to the wire, almost lose it, take it to overtime and and potentially, you know, really should have won if it hadn't been for some conservative uh, coaching uh, game management calls. And yeah, you might have got the win there, I think. And then it kind of seemed like that coach result was perhaps not as a quality um, output as you thought it would be. Then they go and beat the Chiefs. In week three, um, we you know went up to Denver, Russell Wilson's home, home uh, maiden voyage in front of new ownership, um, etc. He certainly looks a shell of what he used to be. Um, so again, I, it was it was kind of difficult to difficult to try and assess you know the quality of your own performance when both in week one and week two it was handed to you with pretty much every possible opportunity and mistake that coaching staff and Nathaniel Hackett making some terrible calls. Maybe Russell Wilson just not looking like a, a starting level quarterback, certainly for the contract he's on, um, and Matt Ryan adjusting to a new team with limited kind of offensive weapons. Yeah, it was there was a lot of mistakes in there, a lot of penalties, a lot of flags. Um, looked like everybody was doing everything to hand your result, but you couldn't take it. And I think that's um, that's a big part of or a part of a realization where this team is. But I think also on the flip side of that, there's a realization that this team is in a much better position than it was last year because you know these games would have been blowouts. Um, so we're now competitive in some senses. Um, you know, lots of flaws and 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 some strengths, and amongst all that, Meyer um, to be competitive. Um, but certainly, I think when we come up against outfits, I've got their got their act together. I think we'll be you know a very distant second. But it's been an interesting. Um, one that showed some signs of progress, uh, but yeah, again, it gives you a realization when you're compared at this level. Um, you know, there's there's tears to this stuff, um, and we're still very much on the bottom echelon looking up, but um, certainly been progress made, I think, from the first three weeks. It does seem like it, especially with some of the younger players that we'll, that we'll get into a little bit later. But, um, Ash, have you seen much of the Texans? What's been, what's been your impressions if you've seen anything of them so far? I've seen drips and drabs. Um, I think their D's played well. Um, I think they've been a little bit poor on offence. I think they've maybe relied too much on Cooks um, in the past. And I think it's come to fruition this year that maybe if he's not having the greatest of games, they've got no plan B, which obviously their plan B at the moment is run Pierce and Burkhead. But you can't bank on that all season. You obviously need other wide receivers to step up. It's no different than the Chargers. Like when Allen's gone down, you need other wide receivers to step up. And I think that they do struggle finding that number two guy to sort of pepper. Um, but I think that these played well. I think they're obviously full of young guys. So I've seen them bits and pieces, but yeah, I think they're, like you said, you're, you're there's obviously certain tiers to this at the moment, but they're on, they're a progressive tier. Like we, we were talking about, the Jags like this probably last year, the year before, and they've had a complete turnaround with obviously the coaching, the mentality, et cetera. And obviously they've had high draft picks that have helped. Um, but if you guys can do well in this draft coming up, maybe get the QB that you maybe deserve, um, then maybe obviously things will progress a lot quicker. The process goes a lot quicker. So obviously Trevor Lawrence was the A1 stud and that's why the Jags have probably propelled quite quickly. So if obviously if they have a top two or three pick this year, then obviously if they get one of them QBs, then things might propel a lot sooner rather than later in the NFL. And we see all the time, like teams look dead and buried, they're out of it. And then two draft, two draft picks, all of a sudden you're looking like world beaters. So it's, it's one of them ones like the chiefs never look like world beaters. And then all of a sudden they took Mahomes, and now they, can't lose same with like mm. bills and josh allen so when they get the quarterback then obviously this team can propel off of that but i still think they're a, a little way off yet 
Yeah, you, do you think that's a pretty fair assessment? Uh, it was a lot in there. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose the, the identity, the strength of this team is probably the defence. Um, but that being said, it gave up 280 yards on the ground to Chicago in week three. So, <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely structural flaws within this roster. Um, there's been new additions. Um, quite what the plan is and, and how we get from uncompetitive to competitive. Um, and if not challenging, um, I, I think that's the, probably the part that I know and some of the people I speak to struggle with um, in terms of Casario's vision and how he's done it on his second head coach right now. Um, Bought the first hire. I mean, this is certainly not a long-term hire, I don't think, mm, in terms of no. projecting you towards success. So is he beginning to afford a third hire? I suppose people expect he will be. Um, and where that leaves you if that third hire doesn't go well after you've expanded all the or expended rather all the um all the draft capital from the watson trade so which we've got another two years of so um yeah it's a precarious time i think you know you see, you see green shoots at times um but i think some of the the, the lack of offensive output i think we should touched on there is, uh, is probably the biggest concern hmm. i want to kind of open up to a bit of a fun question to begin with but which is the better division or which is the worst division whichever way you want to go around it the afc west or the afc south at the minute because I feel like the AFC West has really underwhelmed moving forward. And obviously, both of our teams have now played a couple from each uh, division, obviously, moving forward into this game. But is the AFC West underrated or, or sorry, overrated and the uh, AFC South a little bit underrated, Ewan? Mm, no, I think I, th I think if you look at the talent on paper, I think the, the West kind of takes it... Um... Rather convincingly, there's us. I suppose if you look at you know particularly us over the last couple of years, there's there's been a drain of talent there um, and not replaced by front office heavy-handed mistakes. Um, Tennessee looked like they've fallen into that kind of trap, mm. I think a little bit as well, um, over a line on one or two guys and sort of fading talents or talents that perhaps were propped up by you know previous play callers yeah. at the quarterback position. So, so I think you've seen that there. I think you know Indy on paper is kind of more aligned to. Um, the AFC West teams that have all kind of got you know you know desirable or admirable rosters that you know that other teams would probably want to take if they had the chance you know um, but so I think yeah the AFC South is kind of flipped on its head I think you're potentially looking like Jacksonville's got the best chance to do it I think you know Indy will come back and Frank Wright's got a good way of kind of garnering his side to, towards competitiveness despite you know historically always starting slow so I think they will come around. Um, and Vrabel will do what he does and manage to float them. But I think, yeah, I, mean, I think if it's going to be a total win scenario, then I think the FC West will, should um, come out on top on that. But I think certainly, yeah, both both divisions, you potentially got a, a, a division winner and then potentially, um, you know, a couple other teams that might, you know, sneak into wildcard spots with, you know, less than the glamorous records. Mm. Yeah, no, it just doesn't seem like the, the AFC West really firing at the moment. And, you know, the Jags maybe have swayed my view, at least, on this, because they were looking very, very good on, you know, the past couple of weeks when I've seen them against the Colts, when I kind of watched them, all of the Colts did play very well. Um, and then obviously against ourselves, we, they thought they played really, really well. And they looked, you know, streets ahead of us, as we've kind of just been saying in the first part of our pod here. But, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things, like you said before, we need more data, don't we, as we kind of move through the season, because the uh, the early part of the season, you know, is almost like an extended preseason with, kind of players figuring it out and coaches figuring it out as we kind of move through. But, you know, we, we've mentioned, obviously, a couple of things about the Texans' offence. And I wanted to ask you about Davis Mills and that experience and how that's going. And you've, we've already kind of alluded to it a little bit in terms of, you know, is it time for a new quarterback? Or how is how is that Davis Mills' experience kind of going from a Texans' point of view? Is it 
wearing thin or is it still kind of something that you could see those green shoots as you were mentioning earlier? Yeah, I think it's always one of these ones that that, would, that can be divisive. Um, certainly when you, know, when you go through lean years, people want to find positive outlooks or or ways of or means of progression and that'll you know obviously naturally come through a quarterback certainly from my viewpoint i don't think i've never been sold or convinced that it would definitely be a viable avenue now there was a sort of romantic notion painted in the media and national media about this sort of kind of five game stretch at the end of last year which for me in some senses is true in some senses rather fanciful i think there's you know there was was there was there bursts of good in there um, absolutely, but the consistency over four quarters um, or against good opposition, uh, you know, like the game against yourselves when there was, you know, COVID-ridden team against uh, Tennessee in the last day of the season when they had the, a record number of injuries um, and certainly the most injuries in the league last year. Um, you know, there was mitigating circumstances in terms of the competition when you've got uh, the linebacker Murray standing up on the end of a four-man front as a part of a pass rush, you know, you're probably going to have an all right day. Um so I think there was some sort of thinly veiled context to how well he played at times. I don't think it was good enough or quality enough tape to then justify the opportunities being given, relatively unchallenged, effectively being handed the starting role. Will or not likely he'd get 17 games, the first three have not been good. Um, and, you know, if it hadn't have been for the Colts leaving the seam wide open for a tight end, you've just picked up on waivers, um, you might be looking at this very differently again as well. I think in the there's there's uh there's definitely flashes there of a guy, but it's nowhere near consistent enough. Mm. Um, he shows a lack of understanding of really coverages, a lack of understanding of the soft spots, and uh, when when you're against man coverage, he seems to struggle more than he does against zone. When he's just you know picking up space, picking up crossers, and, and and what have you, you know the kind of simple stuff that you know most people would come in at the NFL and have an understanding of. So yeah, I mean it's certainly been a regression this year. There's been a change in the scheme to Pep Hamilton, which obviously you guys are familiar with, mm. um, and I think that's kind of that plus the lack of passing options who are you know getting clear separation you know i'll sit and watch the all 22 every week and you know there is there is guys open um just the decision making and the accuracy particularly on balls towards the sidelines um have not been good enough and the utilization of the limited talent we do have hasn't been good enough either from an offensive point of view so it's been a really sorry mix of you know limited talent a quarterback who's in the second year in a new system they're still kind of feeling each other out on the coaching staff and in the playing staff. And it's been, it's not been steady. It's not been productive enough to hang in games. And when you've been, when other teams have left the door open wide open for us, we've not been able to just muster that, you know, field goal drive here or there to mm -hmm. go and win games, you know, because there could be a scenario when a semi productive office this team sit 3 0 right now. I think that's not um, without the stretch of possibility based on, you know, the flow of the games that we've had. Um, in fact, any sort of half decent team probably would have won them. Uh, the fact we haven't, I think, speaks volumes on where this offense is, where Davis Mills is, um, the offense as a whole. But I think in terms of losing John Mechie um, to a cancer diagnosis at the start of the season, yeah. really threw their plans off. The wide receiver market kind of went crazy. We're not in a position, to, you know, we're still working through cap issues of years prior, hindering our ability to go and spend um, in a market that blew up. That was kind of our main mm. Uh, goal plus the improvement in equal columns, which we've not seen um, in terms of in terms of production. So yeah, um, it's kind of been thinly veiled on a running back who's still got a lot of work to do in terms of vision and understanding how holes and and schemes um, will clear a path for him. Uh, but yeah, certainly it's kind of a, it's been a sticky start to an offense that will need to find uh, some rhythm if they're going to be able to hang in games.
Yeah. Then let's come on to those younger players. And obviously you mentioned you kind of alluded to Damien Pierce. So we'll come on come on to him, obviously the young back out of Florida. Ash, you're you're obviously a fantasy player yourself. He was a player that I was looking at and thinking he's quite a bargain, obviously coming in as RB1 you know, for Houston, albeit for a lowly team, but someone's got to run the ball and they're going to pick up some yards. So he was a player that I'm looking to. Is it, is it kind of similar for yourself? Is it someone that you were looking at for your fantasy team? Um, I really liked him coming out of Florida, but hmm. I was always sceptical about him being an actual workhorse because they never really use him like that in Florida. So, um, But what he's shown since obviously he's been there, he's kind of blown everyone out of the water. But you always obviously have to put a dampener on it. He's blown out people out of the water like Rex Burkhead and obviously Johnson and things like that who were there previously. So the people around him that he was in competition with weren't exactly the superstars of like some of the other teams. Like so, but what I have seen of him has been very, very good. Um so Bargain-wise, in regards to fantasy, like most people were taking him at the end of the first rounds and stuff like that. So it wasn't really like a bargain for me to, to see him like that. Um, but what I have seen of him, he's been very good and he's lived up to all of the hype that everyone was saying, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to be like end of first round guy. He's going to be really good for them. And he's proved everyone, all of them believers so far, right. So if he continues like that, then great. The Texans have got a very, very good running back and they've done well getting him in. I think it was the fourth round, wasn't it? that they picked him up here. So they've done very well getting him in the fourth round and he does look a player. Yeah. Mm. And you and just kind of flashing forward to, to a real football on the field. How has he actually done um, from a Texans point of view? Obviously, like you say, he's got some rough edges, but is he deserving of that RB1 spot and will he stay there long term? Yeah, uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you anything about the, uh, the witchcraft element of it, but in terms, yeah, in terms of the actual X's and O's, I think, yeah, he's, um, yeah, I think, he, yeah, has he has he beat out competition that were, um, were subpar and arguably none of them really should be on an NFL roster? Yeah, I think that's clear. Um, you know, from Darren, Danny Ogamoali, who was at the Jags last year, um, previously it was, he's your third option that they seem to not give any carries to. Um, so we're kind of a little bit under. Uh, served in that department in terms of talent, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm I'm not quite sure yet. If I think if he's got the potential to be a kind of like lead workhorse kind of back, but I think in terms of the, in terms of his flashes, um, if he can piece it all together, I think yeah, you've probably got a nice, at very worst sort of strong rotational head there that you can play on first and second down, um, and uh, and get yourself positive yards because he's just his patience, his running style. Um, is is something to be admired now. Look, I think you, you've always got to be careful when the cupboards bear do you over uh, glamorize and over uh, f- fantasize about um, about what a talent may or may not be just in the within the context of not having much already there. So you've got to be careful on that. But certainly the early signs are good. He's not translated into production yet. So mm. um, how that you know yields itself in the points etc. should manifest itself in more. I would think when he finally gets a sort of solid game. Where he's running, you know, he's in the game the majority of four quarters. Um, but like you said, um, his his kind of workload at Florida wasn't always the biggest at times, and I think that that was um, partly Dan Mullen's mismanagement. You've seen that with Richardson, the quarterback this year, and stuff. So I wouldn't read too much into that. Um, but um, it was a big part of why he lost his job, the coach there in Florida. But I think at the same time, there's definitely uh, there's definitely a lot to like and definitely a lot to build upon. And, you know, these are the kind of guys you need to, you need to collect in, mm. in their fives and if not tens, if you're going to build out a quality roster. Yeah, absolutely. And one of those obviously young pieces, again, that you hope to build around, obviously Derek Stingley took with a third overall pick out of LSU. Obviously, there's a lot of question marks prior to the draft about his health and last year at LSU, obviously 
didn't play a great deal and uh, you know, just had the uneven kind of um, level of tape that was out there for Derek Singh, obviously having the incredible season as a freshman and then being uneven after that. How has he been so far? Because obviously, you know, some people are saying that they might regret that given the, the injury history taking him so high and obviously players like Sauce Gardner and others kind of moving ahead of him in a lot of draft circles. But obviously now you've got him, you've got a bit of evidence on tape as a Texans player. How, how is Derek Stengley doing? Yeah, I mean, week one, the Colts never really kind of tested him. Um, there was a play in that where he broke probably from at least kind of a three-yard distance in front of the receiver in the end zone and uh, broke up the pass. And it was really kind of rare, special traits that you don't see a lot um, in the league, and particularly for a young corner. I think the guy's got a very sort of calm demeanour, uh, but yet ruthless in his terms of his confidence. Mm. And there's some really rare traits that he puts on on tape now has it been patchy at times you know Denver really went at him against Cortland Sutton uh, Cortland Sutton um the former SMU guy um and they went at him uh and he just did just enough and it was rolled out of bounds upon review and then they went right back at him at the second play and almost in real time you could see the development of Sting and I think what you could see was he was just much more closer his technique was more refined and he jumped up and broke the pass so they went at him two plays in a row and it was almost like free, uh, you know, a free, uh, free lesson from him in many ways. And it was, it was kind of good to see because I think there's definitely a sort of mentality there that he wants to be, you know, and he's certainly got all the attributes to be the best corner in the game, or certainly put himself in that conversation in a couple of years' time. Yeah, uh, we've never really had that, uh, you know, beyond a couple of years of Jonathan Joseph. So yeah, the the, the traits um, and the the projections of what he could be could be really special. Um, mm. But he's got to put it together, and like you said, he's got to stay healthy. Um, and he's got. But I think the biggest one, and I think what people, you know, for your sort of casual fan who, you know, watches red zone and and um, likes highlights and you know and all that kind of stuff, I think Jalen Petrie will be the one that people will know his name probably by the end of this year. Uh, he had two interceptions and a sack. Uh, TFL five tackles on the day against the Bears. Um, he's not the heaviest of frame guy, but he's like a sort of Tyron Matthew almost s kind of player. He's just around the line of scrimmage. Yeah. He's not the greatest athlete. I don't think he can necessarily play single high safety, but what he can do is just have a nose for the ball, make plays, learn your opponent's tendencies and use it against him. And I think he'll be a guy who, you know, who's definitely got a chance to be the all-rookie team this year just because he'll fill the stat column. And I think, you know, sometimes that'll actually be overvalued versus actual, you know, quality down in and down out production. But um, I think Jalen Petrie's got the potential with him, Stingley. You know, we had a couple others there over the years. Then I think you know, we've got a good chance to build a strength in a secondary, mm. which is historically a spot that we've not been uh, strong at. So yeah, there's there's the, probably the biggest thing we can get out of this season is young guys like that coming through, making plays, learning through their mistakes. Um, you know, and I'm sure Herbert and uh, and Cole will give them a, a good go. And I think you know, if you look talking to Stingley, want to see what he's got against Mike Williams because he's not, you know, yeah. he's he's the, the you know he's the height and speed uh, ideal. Uh, Williams and that's the kind of guys you want to see Stingley go up against and, and see what they've got. So yeah, so looking forward to that one. Yeah, absolutely. Great shout with Jalen Petrie, by the way. Um, you know, obviously we've got JT Woods, who is his safety partner at Baylor. Yeah. Can't see the field at the moment, um, but obviously we've still got high hopes for him. But yeah, I saw Petrie at the weekend and you know making some plays, and that's what he did for the Bears uh, in college. So yeah, no, um, keeping an eye out for him. And like you say, shout out to any fan who wants to kind of flick on some text and say for definitely a bright spark that you've got potentially there. In the backfield, defensive backfield, with with those two guys. But yeah, Ash, obviously, Ewan's alluded to it. Something that I was going to come on to immediately after this. Obviously, Mike Williams has obviously found it difficult in a couple of games to get open. Are we a bit worried about Stingley kind of taking him out of the game here? 
Yeah, I think he might, might well do, to be honest. I think that, if I'm honest, I think it's going to be... go. They, the coach is going to have to scheme something up and get other players involved, which they struggled to do at the weekend. And I think they were so reliant on Mike after the Chiefs game because he played very, very well. But then he went into the Jags game. The Jags doubled him up quite a lot. And I think the Texans will follow suit. I think they'll do very much similar. They'll put... They'll put Stingley on him and they'll cover him as well, just maybe with a safety and stuff. So I think that we're going to have to be looking at other players to step up um, if Palmer's fit, maybe. And then you're talking, like you said, I personally think it's going to be another one of those ones where we might have to rely on the D. And obviously some of our D's being banged up. So it's going to be a struggle, if I'm honest. It's going to be a real struggle this weekend. like trying to get infused for it it's going to be pretty hard work especially with the injuries that we've had so yeah i think that mike they'll they will do a, do something on mike because i think that obviously with how the jags did it i think that they played it to perfection really and said come on then we'll take away your best option your deep threat your big ball threat and and see what else you got and we didn't really have any other answers so mm. i would i would have thought copycat league and everything you might as well just follow suit and do what the tech uh, do what the jags did and say go on then see what see if you can come up with anything charges in the seven days you've got to prepare for this game and mm. i do worry I do worry at all, to be honest. Yeah, definitely, it's got to be a run, run game and a, a Josh Palmer game. Maybe you know, get a few other people, Gerald Everett, involved. But we will see. Let Let's flip that question on its head, though, and, and sort of say, you and who who should the Chargers fear on the Texans roster? Um, you know, coming into the game on Sunday, who who, who do we need to look out for? Who's going to do us damage? Yeah, not many. I think is the answer. I think there would be the you know, I think definitely what's probably been the surprise um, is our ability to generate pressure up front um, from our defensive line. I think that's probably been, you know, it's probably got the, the best blend of, of uh, younger guys um, and, uh, and and sort of savvy vets. I think Jerry Hughes, I think even at 33, 34, he's at now, I think, you know, he's been kind of a real revelation. I think I've been actually, you know, surprised at how much juice he's got left in the tank um, coming over from Buffalo. So, yeah, he's been, you know, he's been pretty good. Five sacks last week. Um, you know, we, we look like we can, we can, Continue to do that. Obviously, with Rashan Slater going out, there should be an opportunity there. Because uh, Storm is it the guy that's coming to fill in? Yeah, so I think right. it's like Storm so. Like yeah, so I think <laughs> so. Yeah, so like to that that kind of area. I think you you want to get after them, and I think we you know I think we will be able to do that. Um, and probably you know as I said, the strength of our team to a degree. Uh, Stephen Nelson's come over and he's actually been you know, surpassed my expectations and how well he's played. Um, certainly, there'll be a. A cost associated with keeping him if he maintains this. Obviously, cornerbacks a year year position, but mm-hmm. but um, but certainly I think there's definitely a definitely a willingness and an ability to get after the quarterback, make it difficult for offenses. We've done that in every game um, so far. I expect them to do that. Now, the, I think the the key element is is how much and how well our offense can stay on the field, and I think that's been the issue in every game. There's been almost a consistent pattern: the offense can't stay on the field, um, and by the fourth quarter. The, uh, that differential um, and playing time starts to wane on the defense, and you start to see a kind of gradual kind of uh, falling away, and the offense can't piece drives together. So, if the Texans can come in and Damian Pierce can have a good game because the, the running game is starting to solidify a bit more, the pass protection this week was great uh, for Mills. Um, he just couldn't make the most of his opportunities. We're starting to get more of a settled line uh, with former uh, guy of you guys, Scott Quisenberry, coming in and playing at center. So, mm-hmm. Um, had a decent couple of games so far, um, and actually having a solidified and, and a consistent line is, you know, obviously so, is so immensely important in terms of the running game. So if we can run the run the ball um, a better clip than we have done, 
you know, Pierce can kind of get into triple digits and get over 100 yards and and we can uh, rush the passer a bit. But I think we've got a chance to, you know, cover the point spread at least and keep it close. Um, I think there is a perception out there if you you can shut this offense off of the Chargers by taking the deep ball away to Mike Williams. If you can do that, um, you've got to make them sweat and work hard for the stuff underneath, which a Tampa 2 system um with basically a front seven in and around the ball should, you know, has the ability to swallow up and, and make difficult and in terms of some of the zone looks and the short to intermediate passing lanes. It's is not the easiest to do against. So, um, so hopefully that, that can be the case and we can, we can try and uh, contract the game um, and keep our offense out there longer than they have been and, and get some more time of possession and running the ball. And if we can get the passing game going there, I think we'll be good. But I think that's a big effort at this stage uh, mm. based on where we've been. Um, there's certainly enough enough players there to make it serviceable. Uh, but I think the the, ske- the schematics from Pep Hamlin will need to be adjusted and need to be a bit more um, interesting if you're going to beat this uh, Staley defence. I think that's, that's that's going to be the key. But yeah, I think there's, there's ways and means um, to do it. But I think the, the, the big thing about this team and last year, the margin for error is so thin. Um, pride yourself on turnovers. If we can make those turnovers and make them count and generate them into points, uh, then you've got a chance. But if you don't do that, yeah. um, then the talent differential is too much. How's you? Um, how's Green played you in for, on the O-line? Yeah, Kenyon. Yeah, no, I think he's been good. He he, um, he missed a lot of time in camp. He had an injury. He was coming off. So he's coming off surgery. Then he got a concussion. Um, so he's, he probably only was out there for sort of circa 50% of the time in, um, in camp. Uh, a real nasty streak that we don't have and he's potentially at times our best run blocker um from yeah. from day one um he's he's got a, a bit of work to do in his past sets um tends to kind of lunge a little bit um gets a little bit heavy um and sort of kind of power plays where he's pulling and he's just out there to convert that mass into power at the point of attack that's where you really see the sort of elite traits and you think right well, i can see why he was taken in the first round there um kind of zone Kind of looks uh, where he's got to be a bit more coordinated, um, along with other linemen trying to get to the boundary uh, to you know to stretch the angles. He's uh, he's been not as successful. I think he's more suited to power scheme, um, and I think he will become good in time. He just needs to clean up some of his pass protection sets. But what he's really good at is coming off a block, making a block, and then finding more work, uh, which not a lot of young guys do naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's you know he's got that kind of down from day one and that mentality. So yeah, there's definitely a lot to a lot to like there about Kenyon. I think it's going to take time. Um, as I said, he missed a lot of time in camp, but I think yeah, hopefully he can be uh, you know, one of these guys that's plugging and play for you know five to ten years, and that pick will justify itself. Obviously, he'll be compared to Zion, he'll be compared yeah. to Tyler Smith, he'll be compared to um, Kyle Hamilton, he'll be compared to Jordan Davis because they were all on the board at the time when he mm-hmm. was picked. But um, so he's always going to have that, and he'll always have a bit of an unfair kind of uh, comparison points. But yeah, certainly as a guard, as certainly a young guy. Um, things look really promising right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Obviously, we, you know we've got the kind of other one who was kind of you know the, obviously the high end guard obviously links in the first rounds, and I think we're pretty happy with Zion so far. Another kind of one that we kind of said earlier about Pipkins, gloriously anonymous, really not no no trouble or anything like that that's kind of coming his way. And you know from what we have seen, he's done done everything with minimal force. But hmm. yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of like you say link that's going to be made throughout the whole career. It's always the way, isn't it, with the draft. Yeah, Zion was a bit more po- polished for me. I think mm. he was always going to come in in day one and be probably you know more refined. And I think that perhaps the argument was that Green's got a potential tackle versatility, but then also a higher ceiling just in terms of that raw athlete because you can tell he's still he's still only twenty one. Um, mm. 
yeah. but he can push 300 pound guys to the floor so you know i think there's there's this is all there it's just a matter of refinement for him but yeah no i think a couple you know i think all three of those guys should turn out to be you know pretty solid pros at, at very worst yeah absolutely so we'll kind of move through to getting towards our predictions but first before we get to actually putting a score line or a score prediction towards it where's this game going to be won and lost you and is it all about the pass rush as you mentioned earlier or is it just kind of about those turnovers what was kind of one area in the game where you think this is the area that we need to go out on top to, to get this win here yeah i think i think it's just our offense um inserting itself in, in some form or other um in the game and whether that's predominantly on the ground because that's the identity they want to have but um it's, if they can do that up front um and charges historically last year and why they you know they made all the moves Cleo Mackey etc was to try and um shore that up obviously there's going to be no bosa uh, it looks like he's headed yeah. to the ir so it's, you yeah. know that takes out a big big element of uh of that front um so i think that yeah i think definitely if the Texans are going to set themselves in a game and, and, and exert some level of control from an offensive point of view then you yeah, we've got a chance to try and keep the score close and i think that's mm but you know predominantly uh for more functional opponents i think we'll be playing this year that's going to be the aim can you can you assert control um in some way or another and not let the score run away and i think if if that's the case and they and they force uh the charges into passing downs and i think we'll have some joy um up front because i think what probably our strongest suit of any aspect of the team is uh is definitely our, our pass our uh our, our passing defense um so far um, but you know that could change. But I think ultimately, you know, it won't take a lot to run the ball. It won't take a lot to uh, to, to to make a big difference um, for the Chargers' offense to be fluid. And I think if that's the case, you get a couple of scores up, then I think that puts in a position that's uh, too much of a reach uh, for the quality that we've got. And Ash, what about you? Obviously, I, I think I'd be kind of leaning towards, like we say, a, a bit of a get-right game for the, the run offense for ourselves. But you know, where, where do you see it kind of being won and lost? Yeah, I think we need to establish a ground game that we have not had for three weeks because obviously if the Texans are giving up that many yards on the ground, then if you can't at least put up some sort of numbers and continue that, then obviously you're going to be looking to the passing game, which at the moment is really hit and miss, Like especially if the Texans are playing as well as they're playing on secondary. I think they'll cover up Williams, so I think it's a case of getting Eckler involved and, and Everett involved, etc. I think that probably maybe the biggest maybe the the difference between winning and losing this game is if they can scheme Mac to pressure because mm. if they can scheme Mac to pressure through maybe the middle, switch him to the right, switch him to the left, obviously not put him always on Tunsil and then maybe use him as a decoy to maybe blitz with Van Noy and James, etc. then maybe that's, that's how the Chargers can win this game and turn it from a, a losing record into a winning record in, in this game. Because so... If we were all our players out, it would be like high flying, confidence buzzing, saying, mm. "Yeah, this is should be a walking win and things like that." Because on paper, you look at the, like you said, look at the, some of the talent, and like obviously we've got the quarterback and it's a few X's and O's. But I, I'm just really worried about how this team is at a mental point of view at the moment. They're really down after the week where they've had the coaches. They need to really earn their money this week. So I think that the game can be won and lost if they can win it with getting pressure to Mills when schematically making Mac the focal point of maybe this D. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting close game, I think, mm. um this weekend. Yeah. 
I think that neither team are doing anything excellent at the moment and they need, if something can get established, either like you said with the, the Texans, their, their offence down on the field and wearing RD down, then I can see the Texans winning it. And then on the other hand, I think that if we can put pressure on Mills and, and flip it so our offence can slowly, methodically work its way down the field, then I think that we'll nick this game. Um, but it's going to be one of them ones where you, you it could go either way. Yeah, I mean, our linebacker and core is, is up to no, by no stretch of the imagination, capable in pass, in, uh, pass coverage. So I think, you know, even if it's a case of you can run the ball somewhat, um, by league standards, not the best, but certainly the opportunities will be there because our defensive tackles, for whatever reason, um, I think we've overemphasized them having gap shooters rather than guys who can hold the point of attack in, in, in secure passing lanes. Um, that coupled with the ability, just the, the short to intermediate passing game should be there. Um, I, would, I think you struggle not to find a matchup most games. So that alone, I think, is probably an element you could win the game even if you take the deep passing away. So mm. you know, there's plenty of options there to be had to be successful uh, for Herbert. And uh, as long as he's healthy um, and those ribs aren't causing him too much issue, then I think you know there'll be it should be over an overmatch uh, for the Chargers. But uh, so. It's, it, we played Chicago last week. I think both teams thought it was a get-right game. Um, you, you know, you guys are becoming us thinking it's a get-right game. It, in all likelihood, is. Uh, but you know, we've seen crazier things happen this season, so you just never quite know. We have obviously. We we, we feel like we have to beat the Texans, and you know, we're but we're on the other hand. You know, we're really scarred by last year, and I know it's completely different circumstances. Obviously, there's a lot of COVID and things like that, and obviously, it was it was the game to get us into the playoffs almost, and we we kind of balls it up, but. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. <laughs> you've kind of given me a little bit of hope, Ian, because you've you've not kind of talked up the Texans' chances too much. But yeah. obviously, at the same time, we've not talked up our chances <laughs> too much either. Yeah. So I think Mills is due a performance. I think that you know the at some point, I, I, I think you've become at least serviceable and decent. Um, he tends to do that at home uh, rather than on the road. So um, if he's ever going to kind of lights going to switch on and just you know be productive and be able to move the change on a consistent basis. <laughs> Home games are often where he'll do it. So if, if that life switches on, yeah, it makes it makes a bit of a ball game at that point. Mm, interesting. Okay. So let's finish off this little segment by just taking some score predictions or, you know, if you don't want to give a score prediction per se, just give us a margin of victory or something like that. But you and we'll start with you, obviously, as the guest. Give us a give us a prediction for, for Sunday's game. Yeah, I think uh, it's the point spread minus six or something. So um yeah, no, I yeah, I think the, the charge will take it by at least at least the score. Um yeah, I've never been getting predictions. If I could, I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be sitting talking podcast for free if I could get scores. But uh, but uh, but um, but yeah, no, I think yeah, I think they'll they'll, they'll cover the points, but at least I think a minimum one score victory. I think for the Chargers. Okay, Ash, what about yourself? He's making me a little bit nervous. They're talking us up so much. Yeah, um, I'd probably say I'd take the under. I think that if we're going to win it, we'll only we'll win it by maybe three, four. So I'm, I'll probably say 17, 13, something like that. I think that one thing we haven't touched on, which might be massively key for us actually winning this game, especially with the short intermediate routes, is if Keenan Allen's fit. Because mm. if Keenan Allen's fit and at the moment he's trending to maybe play, then that could be huge because then all of a sudden it's a complete game changer. It's a complete shift for us to be much better on offence because we've got our... <laughs> we've got our little blanket as we say that we can yeah, always rely on yeah. so as, as long as he's 80 percent fit then i'd be far more confident going into the game with if if alan's fit that we win by more than a score than if he's not 
then I think that we might have to rely on this defence to turn up because we did turn the ball over once last week. So we need to up the game big time. Yeah, not for sure. I, you know what, you need to maybe a little bit more confident. I'll go for something pretty low scoring, as, as you guys have kind of alluded to, but I will say something along the lines of 20 to 10 or something like that. Pretty low scoring, don't see a whole heap of points in this one. But yeah, we'll go for a Chargers win by, by a touchdown and, and a little bit more, maybe like say a low scoring game. But we will see. Obviously, we've got productions wrong many, many times in the past, as Ewan's kind of said. But Ewan, thank you very much for joining thank us you. and enlightening us to the Texans and how this game's going to go a little bit more than we would have been able to do. Um, give us one last go around of where we can find your social media with regards to your podcast and, and yourself. Yes, yeah, so is the turn up for what podcast? Um, it's at Podcast Texans on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, at PodcastTexans.com is the website uh, where you get all the kind of uh, all the links, uh, latest articles, all that kind of stuff on there. Um, film breakdowns, and we'll have somebody from the Houston media joining me every week. Uh, to talk about the games and and uh, where this kind of team's going in the post the Sean Watson year. But thank you very much, guys, for your time. Thank you, my man. Um, yeah, we'll, we will, I'm sure, talk some draft later on down the line, as we, we usually Absolutely. tend to do uh, come the spring. But thank you again for joining us, you, and, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you later today. All right. Right. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Top man. Cheers, bud. Perfect. Okay. So, Ash, obviously, we usually finish on, on game balls, but I almost feel like I don't have anyone to give one to with this <laughs> with this game that we just had against the Jags. Do you have anyone <laughs> who you want to give a game ball to? Because I don't think there's many candidates. Um, I, look, I was obviously watching the game. was pretty horrendous, but one player did pretty well, to be fair to him, considering sort of what he had to deal with in the game. And I thought Abonya played all right, to be fair. So obviously, you're talking about sixth, fifth, sixth-round guy. Fifth-round pick, um, So, um, to step in, um, obviously, we didn't hold him to the run. We weren't like... Robinson still went off. But as a player to come in and step in, I think he had five tackles, tackle for loss as well. So, I thought he'd done pretty well. And you could kind of see maybe a path for him, obviously, in two years' time, maybe if Austin Johnson's not there, that you can mm. see where him and um, Sebastian Joseph Day's obviously the key stones to that offensive um, defensive front. So, yeah. I thought that if anyone deserves something out of the game, game ball, not that he'd want to keep the game ball, I think he'd want to put it straight <laughs> in the bin, to be honest. But I thought that we, there was uh, there was a lot of optimism and maybe that was when we were talking about Brandon Faco before and the Covington deal, that's maybe why, maybe why you they did say, didn't you, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Is, is, and Bonya is maybe someone to keep an eye on as they've obviously got a lot of hope for him to to step in and do a job. And I thought that he'd done more than enough, to be honest, at the weekend. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Um, if I had to scrape the barrel, I would say Asante Samuel, I thought, played really well in the first half. Yeah. Um, I think there was that, I think it was like goal line play, wasn't there, where he had that pass deflection. I really thought I got yeah. off my seat a little bit. So if I really had to scrape the barrel, I'll give it to him. But like I said a minute ago, I, I'm really struggling to to really give one out. But one one thing that I wanted to to mention earlier, but I wanted to kind of get you in on and not keep him waiting off the stream. But obviously a lot of Chargers fans talking about Sean Payton. Can we, can we just put this one to bed? Because this one doesn't really make sense to me. I know that a lot of people, usually the same people who are talking about bringing Sean Payton in, want Joe Lombardi gone, and they have a long history. So one is not <laughs> going to result in the other, I don't think. Plus, you're going to lose Brandon Staley in his offence, and the front office have just given him carte blanche to kind of make this squad in his image. This is on starter, isn't it, really? 
Uh, that, it doesn't make any sense. Like you said, if <laughs> comes in, then Lombardi's still going to probably be the offensive coordinator. So, I, I, it, like you said, it makes no sense at all. Like, if they're going to do anything, I would the, the 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 coordinators would be the first ones to go. Staley's got, I think he's got a much more. Uh, he's going to have to do a lot worse. Yeah, and just lose so. lose at home to the Jags to lose his job. So, I think that. Um, yeah, it's going to come down to obviously these next few weeks. The coach is going to have to earn their money, um, but you can see if if things carry on in this way, you can see the offensive coordinators getting a lot of stick, and then you could see them making a change. Maybe not in season. I mean, it'd have to go really bad for yeah. us to change in season. Um, but at the end of the season, you could see something like maybe like Lombardi go and maybe Day step up as the new new offensive coordinator, or mm. they'll just look for something new and refreshing maybe on offense so well hopefully we can um we can nick a few more wins then and that becomes old hat and then we talk about mm. us maybe hopefully getting a few players fit and then making the playoffs rather than um just tanking for the rest of the year which would yeah. be not yeah. great to talk about not great no. podcasting <laughs> <laughs> no not very fun at all but yeah i think like i say it's a bit of a non-starter I think Brandon Staley is obviously getting some stick and rightly so. You know, we talked about a couple of the issues, but like I said, I don't think his seat is even getting lukewarm at the minute. I think he's still got a lot, a lot of time left on the clock for the Chargers in the Chargers role. I, I think that you know, like I say, maybe a coordinator might might fall on his sword. Obviously, we saw special teams coordinator go last year. You know, maybe that'll be the case if you know one side of the ball doesn't work very well this you know off season but we will we will kind of see on that one but I think we should nip that talk in the bud mm-hmm. right now because I don't think it's a really a, a starter at all. No it's not a starter at all. Um but yeah like I said we'll kind of come back to that later on. I obviously we're all getting a little bit tetchy as, as kind of the, the, the loss rolled into a, a team that preseason we thought that we'd roll over quite easily especially you know considering the optimism that was around the Chargers but like I say, we'll see how a get-right game against the Texans goes. Like I say, you have gave me a little bit more confidence than I had maybe at the start of the podcast an yeah. hour or so ago. Um, but like I say, we'll get out of it and we will be looking back on that next week and obviously looking forward to our next game against the Browns, isn't it, actually, in week five? Is that right? Yeah, We've got that the right way around. Yeah, the Browns yeah, or the, the Broncos, Browns, yeah. isn't it, the next couple of weeks before Browns, our bye. Seattle, is that right? The yeah, next four? something like that. But anyway, yeah. we will, we'll come on to that later on. But, mate, just tell everyone where we can find you on social media for everyone who's liking and subscribing our channel, hopefully. Yeah, uh, at Tilda 999s for me for probably a little bit of positivity, but uh, a lot more re- <laughs> realistic viewpoints, shall we say, absolutely. about charges. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm at Wakefield90, and you can find us at Powder B Report on Twitter. We are Powder Blue Report, part of the Full 10 Yards Network, and we are signing off for another week and hopefully looking forward to a victory against the Texans in a few days' time. But yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.